Father, we thank you so much for you and the great joy it is to be in your presence here. So, Lord, we open up our hearts to you, we open up our minds, and we invite you to come and fill us with the Holy Spirit. And may your word find great soil here, that we may leave here transformed like the Samaritan woman was in this text that we are about to read. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thank you. Let's give that worship team a hand. Thank you so much, everybody. So our, if you need a Bible, raise your hands, or um, you know, we'll get one for you in the balcony. Our theme today is we're on a series on the Holy Spirit, and today I'm going to approach it uh, with the theme of the choice to drink living water, the choice to drink living water, the choice, and uh, from John chapter 4 and a very famous story of a Samaritan woman. Now, I hope you had a, a nice Halloween or All Souls Day. Uh, my wife and I, we went out in our outfits, and uh, we visited a few homes, homes where we hopefully we get the biggest shock value. Riches was one of them, all right, so had a great time. But um, uh, a few weeks ago in our house, I went downstairs in our basement, and it turned out that the sewer pipe had backed up, and all this like sewerage, instead of going out to the street and to the city taking care of it, it was coming back in the house. And a terrible smell. And uh, so, you know, our house, like many New York City homes, is 100 years old. So these things happen. And, of course, I get notices to insure my pipe because it would cost a fortune to get it picked, to get it, to get it you know, fixed, all of which I ignored. And so I found out there's a major problem. It could cost like $15,000 to, like, dig up the street and you know, fix a broken pipe. So, uh, of course, I had a, I, we turned the water off immediately. Uh, so there's no water, you know, come, going out of the house. And, and so I realized, oh, my gosh, I, you don't realize, like, you need water, you know. So we couldn't flush the toilet anymore. You know, uh, washing machine, that was out, you know, and I had laundry. I was out of laundry. That was a problem. You know, no more showers and cleaning dishes in the sink and couldn't turn a, didn't want to turn a faucet on because they didn't want to go down and back everything up. So make a long story short, by day one, I'm like in panic mode. I'm like, I got to get to a hotel because I need a shower, you know. And, and, uh, and we have a small group that meets in our home. So I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to be like catastrophic. And uh, so uh, eventually we found out it wasn't, the pipe was not broken. There were some tree roots that were in it, and we were able to clean it out you know, relatively cheaply and all that and get it fixed. But I'll tell you, I walked out of that experience saying I had no idea of how dependent uh, our lives are on water. You just try to imagine having no water coming to your apartment or to your house. See how long you survive. And uh, so, uh, you know, we, we forget that water, 71% of the Earth's surface is water. In fact, your body... Uh, Somewhere between 70 and 75% of the human body is water as well. And so directly or indirectly, water affects all facets of life. And, and uh, without it, there is no vegetation or oxygen for animals to breathe. And without water, really, life is almost impossible for most creatures and plants. So for this and other reasons, that's why, you know, scientists who are you know, studying the galaxies are always looking for, for liquid water on, on planets. Because they know if there's water, there's life. And so they say with Mars, I haven't studied extensively, but 
there's evidence that billions of years ago there was water was flowing, liquid water was flowing perhaps on Mars. And so now they're saying, well, if there was liquid water then billions of years ago on Mars, there must have been life, and now maybe it's underneath, deep beneath the surface of Mars. We've got to get to that. And, you know, because the big question, is there life on other planets? But it's all related to water. So Jesus uses this image of water to help us relate to the Holy Spirit. And in fact, for example, Rich preached a few weeks ago on Nicodemus, and Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as wind. So he gives us these images in the New Testament, like wind, like fire, but here he takes water. And actually, the theme of water and the Spirit of God is found from Genesis all the way to Revelation, a place like Ezekiel. But here in, in the Gospel of John, in this story, Jesus really helps us grasp, and actually, you're meant to feel it, the Holy Spirit, through this image of water. So I want you to try to imagine a, um, you know, a fountain, that's, that's more like a well, you know, but a, a fountain of water bubbling up. That's in one image that Jesus, Jesus is going to give us in the text. And the other is a river. And that's our, that's our own, like, you know, this is like New York State Pride, you know, like our Niagara Falls, you know, powerful river flowing. So those are kind of images giving, given in the text here. A fountain bubbling over and a river flowing. The Holy Spirit is like that. And because we're going to talk about how and we're going to close with communion and prayer how when we drink of this living water, that there is a deep cleansing of the garbage of our sin and sense of shame and dirtiness. And there's also a deep healing of the wounds, and we all got them, we carry them, that we've accumulated through life. And there's actually a deep, satisfying, unparalleled joy that comes when you drink of this water. And then there's also in deep power. This river is powerful. And it sweeps out of its way all that which holds us back from being the people God's called us to be. So we're going to read the text here, and it's from John chapter 4. Uh, we're going to read just a section of verses 4 to 16. Okay, so thus says the Lord. Now he, or Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the free gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as also did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never, ever thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up 
to eternal life. What a passage. Amen. So, so again, the Roman Empire, uh, much like our, our culture today, was very divided by race, culture, class. And, um, and Jesus and, and Jews did not you know, go near Samaritans. But here's Jesus. He intentionally goes through Samaria. And he sits down at a well, and he says to this woman, who's a, her life is a mess. He doesn't say to her, you sinner, straighten up. He simply sits down. Here's God in the flesh. He says, will you give me a drink? Can you imagine? She has no idea who is right next to her. Will you give me a drink? Now, this woman's got three strikes against her. One, she's a woman. Women in that day, you know, incredibly oppressed. You know, talk about second, third, fifth. She was ninth class, all right? And, you know, Samaritans were, you know, women were, were lowest of the low. You didn't talk to women in public. I mean, think of today the oppression of women around the world. It's a global issue. Still is a global issue. Imagine 2,000 years ago. In fact, according to the World Health Organization, 30% of women worldwide today experience violence by their partner. 30%. Now, this woman's clearly had violence done to her. Uh, she's a Samaritan. Again, it was the ultimate insult to be called a Samaritan. Uh, they called Jesus a Samaritan. And uh, in his culture, they were taught to ignore these people, you know, hate them. And she's made a mess of her life. It says she's immoral. Later in the text, she, she's had five husbands. That's a lot of husbands, okay? Especially in ancient Jewish, you know, ancient culture, ancient Near East. We don't know if their husbands, some of them may have died. Some may have divorced her because divorce was so easy. Only men could divorce women. But now she's living with a man who's not her husband. So, you know, you think of cohabitation. 2,000 years ago in the ancient Near East. Okay, so, I mean, she is, she's coming to this well at noon alone. And women didn't go to the wells alone in the ancient Near East. They, they came as a group. She's alone in the heat of the day because she's been shunned. She's been shamed. She, she's an outcast. And, and if you think of, you know, God makes us male and female. You know, her feminine image of God in which she has been created, that image has been disfigured has been damaged, has been disordered. Uh, you know, she's been sexually used and thrown aside. And, and so if Nicodemus was, on, was the height of the social ladder, like he's like a you know, wealthy, highly educated, and Jesus goes to him and talks to him about the Holy Spirit, now Jesus goes to the bottom of the ladder, to this woman, okay, who's a woman, she's Samaritan, three strikes, and she's considered immoral or shamed. But she's broken. And uh, she's really broken. And I don't know if you know it or not, but you're broken. And I'm broken. We're really broken. All of us in this room. That's why we're all to relate to this woman. And I just love it how Jesus comes to her. It doesn't say, you bum. You know, you screwed up your life. Repent. He simply comes to her and says, will you give me a drink? incredibly kind. And he says to her, you know, if you, and, and she, you know, if you only knew the free gift of God, and actually it's, it's like utterly free gift of God. If you knew this, who it is that's asking you for a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you something called living water. Not just water, this live water that moves when it touches human beings. And uh, so I want you to catch this. It's utterly free gift. This is, you don't earn this. You don't like compete for it. You don't have nine steps to get it. You don't 
pray for three days. You don't surrender your life and pray at the altar before you get it. It's just free. Utterly free. Now, I don't know about you. I get things in the mail or phone calls, you know, free trip to the Bahamas, you know, for a week. It's not free. You know it's not free. Right? Free in Disney World, you know, five days at a condominium. And you're like, and of course, you're like me. I'm always like, wow, you know, I got to call these people back. And I've called a couple times. Not free, okay? It's not free. Right? But, but Jesus says to this woman, utterly free gift. You know, have you gotten gifts with strings attached? Okay? This is utterly free. And then he says, you would have asked him. All you do is ask for it. I mean, just ask. I mean, this woman, if you read the whole passage, her theology is messed up. She's a Samaritan religiously, and she's, she has a theological argument with Jesus about where to worship and all that. I mean, but she has a little bit of faith, and she, she ends up asking. Her whole life has changed. But it just shows you, just ask. You may have a lot of mixed up ideas in your head. You come to Jesus, you ask for living water. He gives it. It's just free. And it's incredibly powerful. And it goes, and you'll get something called living water. Now, Jesus later defines what this living water is in John 7. And he says, you know, Jesus says, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. He says to the crowds, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the spirit, the apostle John writes, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So he makes it clear. When he refers to living water, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. Again, we see this all through scripture and defines it. So, so the image is that when you receive, you, you drink that water, he's saying to this woman, you, this will gush out of you. It'll, you know, in John, it says it's like a river in John 7. Imagine, that's what's going to come out of you. Say, oh my God. So here's our text there. Again, everyone who drinks this well water will be thirsty again. But whoever wants, now the key phrase there, and it doesn't, in the original language in Greek, it says, first it says, just drink it once. Just have one taste of this living water and you will never, ever thirst again. So think about that. Never, ever thirst again. You will have tasted something you know is out of this world. And it will change your whole life. Indeed, this water will become in them a fountain of water gushing to eternal life. So, I want you to hear this. You were born to drink. Every human being has a thirst and a longing to drink. And that longing is for love. And it's to be happy. It's to be joyful. Everybody wants this happiness, right? And joy and love. And, and this thirst is, is in all of us. Now, we run after 10,000 things in the world to get it. But it springs from like the innermost core of your being. You cannot not want it. It's like gravity just is. And it cannot be quenched by anything on earth less than God cannot be quenched by anything created or anything finite that exists. And there's nothing more important than you leave here today and you hear this, especially those of you, my gosh, I wish I heard this when I was 15, 14, 15, 16. You could, if you go without water, you will be thirsty. In fact, if you go without water for a really long time, like three days or five days or eight days, depending on the climate, you will die. 
You go without water, your body gets thirsty. You go without God, your soul gets thirsty. Got that? You go without God, your soul gets thirsty, and the problem is then you start drinking from other things. But you are thirsty, and you're trying to get that thirst quenched. This Samaritan woman is going everywhere to get her thirst quenched. Now, in her case, she's going from relationship to relationship. But Jesus promised, if you drink from me, this living water, goes, you will never, ever thirst. Ever. Again, the problem is we're trying to satisfy it with other things. So I read an interesting definition. So here it is, you know. I read an interesting definition of addiction this week as meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Meeting a legitimate need. The need is to be happy. The need is to be joyful. The need is for love. And so I, I try to meet it. But it's, it's an illegitimate way. It's not God's way. I mean, if you think of, you know, pornography, you know, incredible power uh, to addict people. Some would say worse than drugs to get off. Men and women, increasing numbers of folks. Why? Because I can push a button and it's this, this, this picture will love me back. I'll feel cared for for a moment. And we, so we forget, it's not, not, it's not it's people perverse, they're longing, they're thirsty. Thirsty for love, you know, and thirsty for joy, thirsty for happiness. It's just the wrong well. It's the wrong fountain. It's the wrong river. All addictions are like that, you know. And think, think of drugs and alcohol and you name it, you know, spending. But I, I like what one theologian said. The terrible thing is that we can never make ourselves drunk enough. It's like never enough. I'm, I got super drunk or high and I'm still empty. It still didn't deliver. You know, uh, how many of us get into emotionally dependent relationships? One after the other. And marriage and singles alike. And, 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 and the Samaritan woman apparently well, was a good dynamic, relationally, sexually broken, but, but it, it still doesn't satisfy. We still end up empty. You know, it's really good that we have goals. I believe in setting goals for our lives, you know, professionally, personally, relationally. It's, it's great. Problem is that those goals can easily become something they're like ultimate. They, they gotta, I gotta meet this for life or I'm gonna die. And so we got these professional goals. I'm gonna be a you know professional. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna climb the ladder of success. And, and I wanna show people I made it, that I'm not a loser. Then I'll feel good, I'll feel happy, I'll feel satisfied, I'll, I'll feel like I'm 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 worthy, you know. And or, or I, I was with one guy, you know, he, this past week, and he he was skinny in high school, he got beat up a lot, you know, so he went into bodybuilding. He was, he, said, he, was like, he was all buff, you know. Got a big truck to drive, you know. Feel good, you know. Problem, he said he still, he still was empty. That was the problem. Even on the outside, he may have gotten a little respect for his size. And uh, I know for me, I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. I wanted to be Michael Jordan, you know. Well, no, I made it, you know. I'm, I'm thirsty. Let me take a few shots at Madison Square Garden, you know. You know, it's like you want to meet someone. You'd like to perhaps be married, a Mr. Wright or a Mrs. Wright. And, you know, and that's good. It's good, but it can become ultimate where I, I know I won't be thirsty if that could happen. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't understand that. You'll, 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 there's only one place to drink that's living water that you'll never, ever thirst again. And it puts everything else in perspective. Some of you are running around like crazy in life. You're frantic. You're anxious. 
You don't even know why you're running around. Because you're thirsty. And we feel better for a brief moment or a short time, but it never delivers. Why? Because you were made for something the world can never satisfy. You were made for something that's out of this world. You were made for living water that flows from the cross of Jesus alone. You were made to drink in that water. You were made to take it in actively. You were made to swim in that river and let it go into you. The problem is we end up drinking polluted wells, polluted fountains. Could you imagine drinking from that? You know what? When you're really thirsty, you'll drink from anything. I'll survive, but it's better than nothing. And then you drink from a river. Oh, God, is that a river or what? Is that a dirty river? You want to swim in that? Some of you are. Some of you know what it's like to swim in that kind of a river. You feel filthy. You feel like you can't even take enough showers to get rid of the filth. And we just start drinking dirty water. I tell you, that Samaritan woman, she's been drinking in the wrong place. And she is broken, she is weak, and she is wounded. Do you know, we all carry wounds. She's wounded. There's not a human being born in this world that grows up that's not broken and wounded by life. Life happens. If you had a mother and a father that, you know, raised you, you know, they were wounded. And they may have done the best they can, but you know what? Many, very, very common, we had, we had fathers that maybe, you know, birth, biologically birthed us but were not there emotionally. They were absent. You know, or mothers that were absent. And, uh, you know, we have these wounds. And, and maybe, maybe you weren't protected, you know, you weren't protected, let alone raised. And you end up getting abused by someone, you know, sexually, emotionally, physically. And you carry these wounds, you know, in life. You're an adult. You're now 70 years old. And you got these wounds. I, I, I know. I mean, but I, everyone's wounded here. I mean, I was severely, as a child growing up, you know, I was severely beaten by my father, and, um, you know, over years. And my mother was absent because she had her own mental illness. So she was really unable to raise us. We raised her. And so I came into, a, you know, as a young man, teenager, young adulthood, uh, very wounded. I was unaware of it. That's all I knew. Uh, I mean, I was an outgoing, friendly party animal. Uh, but I needed to have control of the environment because I, life was so out of control growing up. And I, you know, I, I was a gifted leader and, you know, creative and all that. And, and then even, you know, I would lead in many settings, but then I would, I would totally, like, surrender leadership and I'd feel incompetent, like a loser, like I was no good, kind of like those beatings of my father, like you're just, just wounded. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'd make a mistake, I'd crucify myself wouldn't allow myself to make mistakes and just beat myself down. You, you do it. You do it. And uh, it was very confused. I was a very confused person. People said, what's going on here? And I didn't even know myself. But uh, I was afraid of what people thought. I was afraid to speak honestly to people, have mature relationships. You know, but my wounds impacted all my relationships, all my choices, uh, uh, my ability to be courageous. And so it was interesting. You know, I, we, 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 we think that... We think that our wounds, uh, we can kind of get by on our gifts and our intellect and experiences. We, we, we forget. The wounds you carry, they affect everybody around you. 
You don't let living water into those wounds. They're in your life, and they're coming out in your workplace, in the schools, in your relationships, because uh, you end up looking for love to get that thirst satisfied somewhere else unless you're drinking living water, unless that water is coming over you and washing that wound and, and bringing healing. You know, I, I love this definition of sloth, you know, of, of, of laziness. It's settling for less than God intends. You see, because to become a Christian is to sip that water. And I hope some of you today will become a Christian. You will taste that living water. And you know what? When you taste that living water of Jesus, you will know there is nothing that can ever satisfy me like Jesus and the Holy Spirit. There's nothing on earth. And you'll have sipped it. And you'll never, ever thirst again. But then what happens often, we're in this journey with Jesus, we start drinking from polluted wells all over again. We start drinking dirty water. We're kind of drinking both, you know? Because we're meant, and it says it very clearly in John 7, we are meant to be continually drinking of this living water. We're continually be entering to the river and, in a sense, letting it wash over us and be drinking and drinking that water for deep cleansing, for deep healing, for deep joy, for deep power. It's a lifestyle of drinking of living water of the Holy Spirit. Now, this past week, Jerry and I attended a conference for a few days, and I was really reminded of the level of, I think, secrets people carry as well as sexual brokenness. And I was, I was personally challenged as I was drinking deeply of the Spirit of God, um, challenged to, to, to not be afraid, you know, to, to call people to the vision God has for their lives and how God made us male and female and, and to be a gift to other people and with great dignity and, and to call people out of the filthy river and that Jesus really can change your life. Jesus changes lives. It doesn't matter how polluted you may be right now. You let the water of the living water of Jesus come in. He will transform you like nothing on earth can. And I was challenged to, to, to provide arenas and structures. that We would do a, you know, our next level as a church to provide a place and everything that we're doing at New Life and all the arenas, that place for people to swim and drink of living water. There's nothing more important than that. And in my own heart about how can I structure my life to make sure I'm not allowing my spirit to get polluted by things that are not of God. What kind of shift do I need to make in being a bit more disciplined? And what kind of, what, 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 you know, what about my, my own formation in Christ? What's the Lord's next thing for me? Because God's got more for me just like God's got more for you. And what would it mean for me to drink and, and, and let that happen in my life and to seize it? And even Jared and I were just talking about the other day that we want to, even as a couple, just making sure that we're, we're, we're having a rhythmic confessing of sins, you know, daily to each other. Let nothing get in. Because we really want that living water to flow through us and in us. So let me ask you, what are you filling your mind with? You know, what are you watching? What are you doing? And how are you creating a life where you're being formed for Jesus? I mean, you're here to drink of living water. I mean, worship, we just drink of living water. We're going to have the Lord's Supper. We drink of living water. The small groups we've got. I mean, I thank God there's a couple of small groups launching this week and new ones for, for folks addicted to, you know, sexual addicted. From women and men, I'm so glad. I mean, get in one of those groups. I'm, I'm so glad for our, all our small groups and all the ministries. And, but what are we doing in community development? We're offering living water to the community, you know, in the name of Jesus. But what are you doing? What's God's invitation for you to be formed in Jesus as a life? What are you doing to walk out a process where your wounds, and I know some of you by name, how deep, those deep wounds to allow that living water to deeply heal you, because it does. 
to making sure that you're being continually washed in living water? And how can your life be a good gift to others? Because it was created to be a good gift. Now, what's great about this story, and I, you know, this woman, I don't have time to go into the whole story because it's such a long, it's a long passage, but this Samaritan woman, what happens is she, she, drink, she, she drinks a sip of the water. Now, understand, this woman has been shunned and shamed and disgraced. Probably for years. She goes back to the town. And she says to the people, she preaches her first sermon. Now, it's only two lines. And I don't think it's a very good sermon, but it works. She says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And then she says, could this be the Messiah? I'm thinking, that's not a good sermon. Tell the people he's the Messiah, you know. But that's it. That's her sermon. But it doesn't matter. You know why? Because there's living water bubbling up out of her. There's a river coming out of this woman now. She just had a sit. And it says, I try to picture the scene. They came out of the town, and they're all making their way to Jesus. Just based on that woman, the Samaritan woman. And then it says later, many of the Samaritan towns from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And, you know, they they said, Jesus, stay with us two more days. And he did, and it says many believed in him. This miracle happens. She becomes a fountain of gushing water to that town. A town gets converted instantly. Look, I mean, gosh, I look at this passage, my goodness. You know, and Jesus says to the disciples, come back. And they're like, what are you doing? And Jesus says to them, you don't get it, guys. The fields are white for harvest. People are thirsty out there. You've got to let that living water flow out of you. And, and, and he says, the fields are white for harvest. You may think, oh, those people aren't open. They seem like they're so together. They don't need Jesus. You have no idea. They're thirsty. Some do it more you know, respectable way than others. But everybody's thirsty. Jesus says, I want you to know God's at work. He says, God's already working. You're going to reap it. Just go tell them about the living water. And you're going to be shocked at the response. Look what happened with this one woman. He's trying to teach the disciples something. He's trying to teach us something, friends. The, the world is thirsty. And people are carrying deep shame, deep brokenness, deep wounds, deep misery, trying to find happiness in all the wrong places. And they're broken just like us. But we come as broken, wounded healers. So your life is meant to be a gift to others. So let me me close with this. We have to choose to drink the living water. Not just once to come to Christ, but a lifestyle of drinking that living water. Or another way to look at it is stepping into the river and letting that river of living water of the Holy Spirit just wash over you. Just just swim in it and let it go into you. That, you're, that it's a lived experience, this gushing water, not just a doctrine. I'm talking about a deep cleansing from hidden sins and shame and secrets and garbage through the blood of Christ. I'm talking about a deep healing of your wounds that go way back so you can walk and be a gift. I'm talking about a deep joy that's unparalleled by anything the world could ever offer because you've tasted of a love and that deep joy that regardless of what's happening circumstantially, there is something in you, even when you're grieving a loss, there's a joy in there of this living water that you've drunk. And then there's this deep power that actually changes you. I'm talking about changes you and breaks chains and things that hold you back and you're able to get up 
and you're surprised at yourself. And you live, I will live the life like this Samaritan woman. She goes right into the people that shunned her and speaks to them unashamed. She's been cleansed. She's had some level of healing. It's a miracle. And God's got that for you. Your life, he's got a vision for you where he wants to take you. But we choose to ask. All you have to do is ask. That's the whole Christian life. It's asking. When you're asking, you're trusting. You may have just a teeny, weeny little bit of faith. Jesus says, that's enough. So don't settle for less than what God has for you. But drink. I, I want to close with a story from uh, a little children's book, you know, filled with lessons here, from C.S. Lewis, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, The Silver Chair. And in this story, a little girl named Jill has entered a, a strange and magical country uh, at the top of a very high mountain, and she's wandering looking for water because she's really thirsty. But she encounters a lion. And this lion, uh, who represents Jesus, by the way, is, is right between a bubbling, beautiful stream and herself. And so she's facing this lion. And she's terrified. But she is so thirsty. And so here's, the lion says, ask her, are you thirsty? And she replies, I'm dying of thirst. Here's what the lion says. Then drink, said the lion. And she says, well, Jill says, well, may I, could I, would you mind going away while I do? And the lion answered only by a look and a very low growl. And Jill gazed at him and she realized she might as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. And meanwhile, the delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. So Jill says to the lion, will you promise not to do anything to me if I do come? The lion replies, I make no promise. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she had come a step closer. She asks, do you eat girls? The lion responds, I have swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms. He didn't say this as if he were boasting, not as if it even that he was trying, he was sorry. Not that he was even angry, he just said it. Then Jill responds, I dare not come and drink. The lion says, then you will die of thirst. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step closer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. And the lion responds, there is no other stream. There is no other stream outside the living water of Jesus. And he offers us, he offers you that water today. Some of you, first day, you're going to take, take a sip, cross a line, come to Christ. Others of us, we gotta, we've been drinking from some wrong place. We got to come back to the stream and the river and the fountain of living water. We've settled for less. We've allowed ourselves to get polluted. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come on forward here. And we're going to take communion. Communion is a way of drinking. I'm gonna, I want to invite you to use this as a drinking moment to drink of the living water of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Gospel of John, 
When soldiers pierced Jesus' side, it says in John 19, 34, they pierced his side with a spear, and it says it brought a sudden flow of blood and water. And all the scholars will tell you that blood is the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of, of sins. We come to the cross of Jesus for forgiveness of sins over and over again. Deep forgiveness. But we also come to receive living water that comes out of his side, his broken body on the cross that was broken for you and for me. It's a great image. So Jesus, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. The world offers a lot of bad tables out there, a lot of wrong tables, wrong food, and wrong drink. This is the Lord's table. This is the right table for you. This is the right drink and the right food. And we're all going to, I'm going to invite you, if you're willing, to come and eat and drink of Jesus today. And let his life of living water by the Holy Spirit flow into you. So let's all stand together. We all come to communion. We all come to the cross of Jesus on level ground. All of us in this room, we're all broken. We're all weak. We're all dependent. We all need to receive the power of the deep cleansing flow of the living water of Jesus, the Holy Spirit power, the joy. We need that deep living water in us, through us, outside of us. So uh, what I'm going to invite you to do is we're going to sing. You're going to come forward. You'll take uh, a piece of the uh, bread and you'll dip it in the cup and we're going to ask you to take it back to your seat to hold on to it. As we're going to prepare, we'll all drink and eat together of this living water, this body of Jesus together. So let's pray as we just launch into this Lord's Supper together. And so, Lord, we come to this table to drink of the water, the living water that flows from the cross. Grant us grace. Grant us the faith of that Samaritan woman to take a sip and to drink. taste a life and a joy like the living water of Jesus anywhere on earth. 
your life will be changed eternally. But secondly, some of you around, you know what? You've been drinking. You're, you, you know that living water, but you've been drinking from bad places. And you need, you need to come forward for some healing of wounds, deep healing, knowing once again the deep cleansing of the blood of Jesus, that living water of the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to come forward. You know, it's like, you can imagine this altar is like a river. And, you, you know, hopefully you've been receiving the living water all through the service, but you're not done. And you just need to come, and if there was a line here, jump in the river and receive some prayer. One of the ways of living water comes from people praying for us. God mediates for human beings the body of Christ. And don't rush out as we go there. Okay, because we want to fight for you to get to that living water. We believe for you more than you believe for yourself. That God's got a future for you. It's not to be alone and shamed and half the person you were created to be. So, I want to invite you to open your hands up towards heaven. I want to speak a blessing over us as we close. And the altar will be open. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May the Lord open your eyes that you would see and hear that living water bubbling stream, that gushing fountain. May your thirst for the river of the Holy Spirit increase. May God give you the grace to linger and to choose to drink and swim in living water today. And may you, as you leave this place, may out of you, blessing will come to everybody around you like it did for that Samaritan. May rivers of living water flow out of your life. So all that you touch this week, I pray. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, thank you, everybody. God bless you.